shall receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Thank you, Jonah. privilege to be here. It's fantastic. Um, I got to know Clint uh, over the last couple of months uh, through emailing back and, back and forward. Uh, and we have a shared friend uh, that we got to know in uh, Africa, uh, Joseph Ardwings. Um, so Clint studied with Joseph and I worked under him in Tanzania at a little rural Bible college. Um, so it's lovely to see those Christian connections and just lovely how God brings his family together and and those sort of things. It's lovely. So it's lovely to stand here before you guys. Um, as uh, Tim said, I'm new to Budron, uh, new to the Sunshine Coast. Uh, my, my wife, though, is a Queensland uh, girl. Um, she was from Maryborough, and my mum was a Queenslander as, as well, from Mariba in the Atherton Tables land. So I kind of claim that I'm kind of partly Queensland. <laughs> so, so not there totally, though. I'm quite new. Um, so, over the past three weeks, my family and I have visited um, different churches uh, around this area, really. At one church, in the evening service, they projected onto the wall uh, well, the two words, welcome home. Uh, that statement made me feel a little bit uneasy, because I didn't know the church, I didn't know the people, I didn't know what they taught, and so I sat there and thought, am I really at home? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and uh, I was uneasy. The local church can be a place where you can find beautiful, faithful, um, disciplined followers of, followers of Jesus. Um, it, it can well represent the house of God. Uh, the kingdom of God can be well represented, well represented. But it can also be a very dangerous place. A place where people can lead you away from the saving truth about Jesus. The ancient church of Colossae was full of beautiful, faithful, disciplined followers of Jesus. They received praise from the Apostle Paul, and we read about that 
in chapter 2 and verse 5, Paul says that he delights in them, in their faith and in their discipline. But in verse 8, he warns them not to be taken captive, but to continue with Jesus. In the church, there were false teachers, teachers who were seeking to lead people away from the truth about Jesus. In the Colossae church, there were good people. And in the church, there were very dangerous people. Good and dangerous mixed together in the local church. I have four children, and I think oh yeah, the slide is over there. I have four children, and two of my children are into skating. Uh, Abe's into uh, rollerblading. That's him up in the picture. Uh, he's got a rollerblading tape there for his birthday. He's in a, I don't know, a skate park over there, and he's in Alley Oops Skate Park you know, um, on the Sunshine Coast here in the other picture where he's just taken off and flying. He loves skating. That's what he does. It's one of his sports. And my daughter, um, who's just turned 17, she loves skateboarding. So they're both into skating. I'm not a skater. <laughs> so when I started getting into skating, I did like what almost any dad would do. I googled skating. Um, how do you improve? <laughs> and I read some articles um, published by professionals. I watched some um, YouTube uh, videos. And I learned some of the fundamentals about skating and how to improve and how to continue in skating. And one of the things that the professionals said that was most important to continue in skating was just to do it all the time. Do it as much as you can. If you're going to the, going to the shops, be on your skateboard. If you're going to the shops, be in your skates. If you're going anywhere, as much as you can, be in your skates or on your skateboard. Just continue. Just keep going. And that's the same for any sport, isn't it? If you're a golfer, you've got to do it regularly. You've got to keep going. If you're a surfer and you want to improve, you'll continue surfing. You've just got to keep going with it. And then you improve, you go with it. Um, to remain a Christian, we must continue with Jesus, our Lord. We are to keep going with him. So in verse 6, Paul says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. What is it to make Jesus your Lord? Here in Colossians, in the letter Paul wrote, in chapter 1, Paul defines Jesus as the son of God's kingdom, the image of the invisible God in whom all the fullness of God wells. To receive Jesus as Lord is re to receive Jesus as your God. You have chosen to submit to him, for him to rule over you and for you to live under him. What is it to be in him in these verses? In verse 6, living your life in him, in part, means serving or obeying him. As we serve and obey Jesus, we are built up and strengthened in our faith. Just like a skater, just like Abe, my youngest, <laughs> a rollerblader or a golfer or, or any sportswoman, we need to continue in the basics. We need to submit to Jesus as our Lord and keep reflecting on all that he has achieved on our behalf if we're going to keep going with him.
if we were going to remain faithful to him. Our journey with Jesus is not without its dangers, but there's dangers along the way. There's dangers even in the local church. Amy and I have just moved here to Budrum. Uh, We've bought a house. Um, While looking through real estate pictures, we looked through a lot of real estate pictures. Real estate's just gone mad. It was very, very difficult. Um, I was surprised how many houses we came across that had statues of Buddha. Um, I've started going on walks around our neighbourhood and uh, walks with our little dog. Um, In the streets near us, there are Buddhas in a couple of uh, yards out the front. Um, There's a Confucius statue in another yard and there's a row of Hindu um, prayer flags in another yard. Outside of the church... There are philosophies and religions that threaten our faith. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Confucian, agnosticism, all sorts of things. But I think the greatest threat to our faith will most likely come from within the local church, not from outside. I spent 12 years in Tanzania, East Africa, and the prosperity gospel is rampant across the uh, denominations in Tanzania. It is a gospel that recreates Jesus. In the prosperity gospel, Jesus becomes a small God, a God who can bless you physically and financially. If you give to his church, they say, and if you have great faith, enough faith, sin at times is also redefined as not having faith um, that you will receive, oh, sorry, sin at times is redefined as not having enough faith um, rather than rebelling against God. Churches can be dangerous places for Christians. Let's read Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human traditions and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. The Colossian Christians were in danger of being captured by false teachers from within their own community. These false teachers insisted that they obey food regulations and follow um, Jewish religious days. So verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2. These leaders looked like spiritual giants. They looked good. Um, They relayed visions that they had had and promoted worship of angels and they had a type of humility. So within the church community, they looked like spiritual giants. They looked impressive. But the gospel that they, they were promoting was empty. It had no power to save. It didn't come from heaven where Jesus is seated. It didn't come from God. It came from the earth and the godless spirits that are present here. Here in chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says that this false teaching originated from human traditions and the base spiritual forces of this world. Paul is saying that this teaching came from evil spirits that are stuck here with us on earth, whereas the gospel of Jesus came from heaven came from God. So there's this contrast of this gospel that's heavenly and this other false teaching that's earthly, that's come come from below. 
And Paul is following, um, oh, sorry, whereas the gospel of Jesus came from heaven, just as Jesus came from heaven and returned to heaven. And Paul, in the following chapters, calls on the Colossians to set their hearts and minds on things above in chapter 3. He wants them to keep from being taken captive by earthly philosophies. Uh, My family and I lived in East Africa, Tanzania, for 12 years. It's a beautiful part of the world, just gorgeous. Um, We would holiday, though, on the Kenyan coast because it was more developed and um, you could get lovely food there as well. Very good. Um, We went to a town called Malindi. It had gorgeous tropical beaches, like uh, the sort of tropical beaches you get up in Cairns. Um, The architecture uh, was shaped by Arab, Swahili and Italian influences. Um, It was a beautiful place to go. Just gorgeous. Just fantastic. One year, though, while we were on holiday in Malindi, uh, the terrorist group, Al-Shabaab, attacked the town just north of us. They overran the police station, um, overran the town, and systematically went around shooting those who could not recite the Quran. Um, At another time, they had taken a few Westerners who were holidaying on the coast, the Kenyan coast, captive. We didn't want to be killed. Surprise, surprise. We didn't want to be taken captive either. We're on holidays. (laughs) Um, So we established some rules where we're on holidays um, there. Now, we didn't leave. We were used to dangers in East Africa. Only Amy, my wife, or I would go shopping in the morning during holidays um, in Malindi. And only first thing in the morning. We figured that it'd take the, um, say, the uh, terrorists some time to get ready, just like it took us some time to get ready with kids and that was our thinking behind it. <laughs> um, we wouldn't go out at night. We planned escape routes and worked out the safest places to hide in our holiday home. We wouldn't visit the same area of the beach at the same time each day. Does it sound like a fun holiday? <laughs> we enjoyed it. We loved it. <laughs> it was good. Um, it was very cheap. <laughs> um, we didn't want to establish a pattern that could be followed. We chose, to go to ch- we chose not to go to church because Christians were being targeted. And we spent a lot of time in our very private, lovely, hidden away accommodation. Uh, we aimed not to be captured. So we did a whole lot of things um, so that we wouldn't be captured, other than actually leave the, the area, which would have been safer. <laughs> um, what are you doing to make sure that you will not be taken captive by an empty, earthly gospel? What are you doing? I think you're already doing something really well, really good in coming to Grace Presbyterian Church. This is a place where the apostolic gospel is clearly preached and taught, a place where the Bible is opened, explained and applied. It is a place where people can receive life in Jesus and be strengthened in him. Week in and week out, you are being fed heavenly food, food from heaven, food from the word of God, that's what you're being fed here. This is a very good thing. Over the last four years, I visited a young church pastor who worked in a red uh, light district of Sydney. He worked with prostitutes, uh, drug addicts, and people who were sleeping rough. Uh, it's a difficult and demanding ministry, very difficult. And over the years, his beliefs changed. He experienced, he experienced 
and were in, was involved with uh, faithful gay monogamous relationships within the LGBTI community. And he was in, influenced by some mystic branches of Christianity. And he now believes that Christians who are in full monogamous LGBTI relationships are not acting against God, that they can be full members of the church and engage in church leadership. This church leader slowly moved away from the heavenly gospel to an earthly gospel. He defines God's acceptance and of practicing homosexual relationships according to his experience, according to his earthly experience, um, his ob observations and a branch of mystic Christianity that he had read about. He no longer looks to Paul's testimony, the testimony of those who were sent by Jesus and taught by the apostles. He is no longer continually, continuing with heavenly wisdom. His gaze has moved from heaven, from the gospel that Paul received from Jesus, to looking at earth and working out his philosophies and beliefs from there. In some denominations, there are liberal church leaders who have an outward spirituality and humility, but don't believe in the resurrection. All the miraculous, they promote Jesus as the ultimate human. They reject his divinity and salvific power. They love him as a teacher. They usually have little or nothing, though, uh, positive to say about the writings of Paul. How are you guarding yourself against the threat that come within the church? They may just come from an individual within the church. How are you guarding yourself? The Apostle Paul directs the Colossians to the great spiritual blessings that they have received in Jesus. And that's how they are to guard themselves. Remembering those. Thinking about them. Yeah, being thankful about them. He reminds the Colossians and us that we are spiritually whole in Christ. And we need nothing else. Verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. This is a little like saying, I tried to think of an illustration, this was the best illustration I could come up with. This is a little like saying, in Australia, Australians live. And in Australia, you have been made an Australian. So try and follow my logic here. This passage is saying, in Jesus, the fullness of God lives. So the fullness of God is in Jesus. Being in Jesus, which we are, means we are united to God. So, in Jesus, the fullness of God lives. We're in Jesus, so we're united to God. That's it. If this is true, then no other power or authority can bring us any closer to God. We're as close to God as we can ever get. It's complete. It's done. Jesus has done it for us. We are with God. We're never going to become more spiritual than what God, Jesus makes us. We are completely united to God, although still in the sinful body, not in the resurrected body, not in heaven, not face to face with him, but as much as we can be, 
We are now united to God through Christ. Secondly, in Christ we are God's. Verse 11, in him you were, you were also circumcised with the circumcision, not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. In ancient Israel, circumcision was a physical sign of belonging to God's people. Infant males were circumcised on the eighth day. Here Paul refers to the believers of being circumcised by Christ. When I read that, I thought, what does that mean? <laughs> um, he is saying that those in Jesus have had their old selves removed, just as an infant male had a small part of their flesh removed. So Jesus, the high priest, has removed the whole selfish person from us. He's dealt with it, totally dealt with it. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus has done an amazing work in you, in me. He has taken our selfish selves and dealt with it, taken it away, thrown it away like a bad piece of flesh. In other places, Paul says that we are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he said, he explained that a person wanting to enter the kingdom of God needed to be born again, born of the Spirit, not of flesh. Jesus, the son of God's kingdom, has surgically removed our old selfish rule and brought us under his rule. We're there. We've arrived. Jesus has made us into a heavenly person, one of his people, one of God's people. When I was little, and I did this when I was on holiday up in Cairns, <laughs> I used to write, John O'Rules. I used to write it on the beach. I used to write it wherever I could. John O'Rules. I thought I ruled. I wanted to. <laughs> this was just when I was a little kid. And then my brother, Dave, who's about five years older, older than me, would add something funny to the end of, end of my little statement. He would say, in his own mind. So I'd write John O'Rules. He would write, in his own mind. <laughs> I would write, John O'Rules. He would write, in his own bedroom. <laughs> and he kept doing that. It was really annoying. Jesus has saved us from our deluded state of self-rule. He has brought us under his rule, discarding the old, old earthly man or woman and making us his new person. It's sort of mind-blowing stuff. This stuff. We're, we're, we're not what we are. We're not what we were. We're something new in Christ. And finally... In this passage, there's more to be said, actually, in this passage. There's a lot more. But finally, for me, we have been made alive in Christ. Having been buried, so verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through your faith in the working of God, who raised him, him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And, he, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. We were dead 
Merci. Dead. Dead. Dead in our sin. Dead to God. But Jesus went to the cross, paying the debt that we owed for the wrong that we had done towards God. He died in our place for our sin, for our rebellion. He nailed our rebellious acts to the cross. God, through the cross, has made our, us alive in, with Christ. We have nothing left to condemn us. Satan can't condemn us. Death can't condemn us. Sin can't condemn us. Our godless society can't condemn us. Nothing can condemn us. God, through Jesus' death on the cross, has triumphed over anything or anyone who, who could have kept us from him. In all the stresses of life, when false teachers threaten to take us away from Jesus, how do we keep ourselves from being taken captive? How do we keep ourselves from being taken captive? It's simple. We continue with Jesus. We reflect on all that he has done for us. We remember it. That needs to be a discipline that we do regularly, doesn't it? So that we can't be deceived. We are to keep going with Jesus because we have every blessing in him. He is the heavenly man. We've received the heavenly gospel. There's no point in turning to an earthly gospel. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that we've received it through your apostles. Uh, we thank you that it is reliable. Uh, we thank you so much for all that you've done through the Lord Jesus. We thank you that we've been united to, to you through him. Uh, we thank you that we've been forgiven through his work on the cross. We pray, Lord God, that you'll strengthen us in, um, through your spirit so that we will continue to walk with Christ, being thankful for all that he has done. Amen.